must not fear. And fear is the mind killer. Be afraid. Be very afraid. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? What's your favorite scary movie? You must first face your fears if you are to conquer them. The only thing to fear is fear himself. Hello, and welcome to Full Horror Show, the podcast where an animation nerd watches disturbing films while a movie buddy holds his hand. My name is Grant Letizia. And my name is Danny Clark. Here on Full Horror Show, we believe that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, even when it comes to movies. Take horror films, for instance. People seem to either love them or hate them, and they'll stick to that mindset, sometimes for life. So is it possible to turn a non-horror movie watcher into a fan? Well, on this show, we're gonna find out. Each episode, Danny leads me through a classic horror or spook-adjacent film, and we see what happens. Speaking long-term, either A, I'm going to become a braver person who is able to actually enjoy a scary movie, or B, I'm going to shit my dungaroos and just go back to watching Pixar films. So today on the show, Hellraiser, the extremely metal 1987 film by director Clive Barker. And this one, I gotta say, is probably the film that I have been most terrified to watch at the same time i think it's the movie danny that you've been the most excited for me to watch is that about right oh absolutely yeah uh yes the film is is amazing uh i'm 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 still struggling a little bit with exactly what happened as i watched it but we'll get into that because i saw it for the very first time even though it's been out obviously forever um but i did see it and danny i give you uh, huge congratulations on, I guess, convincing me to see it. But also, you know what the the real big uh, praise needs to go towards? It's it's the fact that you actually somehow got through these days without talking to me about it. Because I know that's the hardest thing for you. Oh, I've been dying to talk about it, dude, for a whole week and a half. We got delayed for uh unknown reason <laughs> well basically this is what happens for for people that don't know actually when you watch any movie that danny's really jazzed about me seeing i tell you that i watched it and then you immediately hit me up either texting multiple times or you call me and then and in this case though because we weren't going to talk about it till we recorded i could tell it was happening you would text me seemingly innocently and then i know what's coming though i basically had to beat you off with a stick well i'm just fishing you know and i was i was asking you if you'd watch the documentary the the art of horror with the interviews with clive barker and i was asking you if you'd watch the sequel hellbound and you're like slow down dude i watched the first we'll do another one on on the sequel so the sequel is later and i know i'm giving you a hard time but that's what i love about you man you're so excited about these movies it's very infectious and that's what's great is then you have all these other things to recommend which i may of course or may not get to because i'm already still traumatized by the thing that i just watched so you know we have to sort of take it all in stride i guess um but that is the film yeah that we're talking about hellraiser this this movie that for those that don't know some basic facts on it came out in 1987 by director clive barker uh the budget was one million dollars uh not a lot and then it actually grossed 20 million dollars on its original release which is a fairly sizable chunk so you can see kind of why it went on to become a franchise and do pretty well for itself stars claire higgins uh, Andrew Robinson, Doug Bradley, and Sean Chapman. So the big question, Danny, that I have is why do you think that this film is still around and why does it still matter in terms of film history? I mean, in terms of film history, I think Barker did something with this film that had never been done before. Um, I think everything from the costume design to the lighting to the gore, this movie is hardcore. I mean, it is full on next level horror show. 
and so for that reason, it was always pretty scary to me. I, I actually didn't watch it for years because going back to Blockbuster, um, walking through the aisles, it was the one, the image of Pinhead that everyone saw and knew. He's so iconic. And I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but in that documentary, Barker talks about populism and images that get repeated to us through, you know, consumerism, um, Mickey Mouse being one of them. I think on the side of horror, Pinhead is probably one of the most iconic characters. I think even if you've not seen the film, you know the image of Pinhead. So I didn't see this film until after college. I actually didn't see it until probably 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago for the first time. And what grabbed me was the lore, the fantasy aspect of it, the idea that you're creating this other world where these Cenobites or the uh, demons come from. And much like Lord of the Rings or um, any fantasy story, I really like the lore. And I think that that's a great hook. That's why I think it's important in the in film history in terms of horror and my experience with it the first time. It's very interesting that you waited that long to see it because I know that you said that a lot of these things were sort of early watches for you, either because, you know, a friend challenged you to watch it or said, this is great. I think like you said a couple of times, maybe it happened with Freddie and some others, but this one didn't didn't do that. Did you have any friends that ever recommended it to you when you turned them down flat? What happened with that? No, I mean, it came up from time to time, but we'd always go back to Jason or Freddie or Chucky or a lot of the run of the mill stuff. And also classics like Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, The Thing. I, to be honest, I don't really know why I skipped this one. I, I know I said I was afraid of it, so that is a key factor, but I'm not really sure, to be honest. It's just one that I avoided for years, and then I finally got to it. And it was amazing watching it this time because it was so different. Like the feeling you get when you watch a movie like this is so visceral. And I mean, it is, it feels real. Like the gore is fucking crazy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're picking it up off the floor. It's so crazy. Uh, you know, I like you was too scared to watch it. So there was no way I was going to do it, especially like you said, when I saw the cover of that guy with the scary pins in his face and everything looking very intimidating. I knew that it was scary uh, and it seemed extra scary compared to the other movies that were just regular scary. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but I was trying to figure out what's the difference between a film like this and a movie from David Cronenberg, for instance. A lot of his films do have some really creepy stuff. And I think the difference is with Clive Barker, having not seen really any of his movies, there was sort of a blank space for me in terms of what I felt like his intent was as a director and what his purpose was in telling the story. Whereas somebody like Cronenberg, it was more of a, an exercise in exploring how science and um, bodies and medicine and people kind of combine and more interested in the intellectual sort of nature of those things. But with this guy, it just felt without seeing it again, it felt as if the whole point of this is just to tear from me to death. And I don't know if I'm down for that. <laughs> I just don't trust it. I really like the Cronenberg comparison. And I'm going to pull a quote from Barker in that interview, but I think that Cronenberg also likes to depict the erotic, the violent, and puts it inside of a story that is usually in another world of some kind, whether it's the future or there's some, some type of scientific thing going on that we can't actually do in the real world, but he sets it up in a way that feels real. Mm -hmm. And then there's body horror associated with it. I think that Barker does that in this movie. So I'll just dive in a little bit to Barker's idea of the fantastique because he describes this movie as that. And I was going to save this for later, but since we're talking about what makes this different, the fantastique is a, a genre of French literature 
it's basically the intrusion of supernatural phenomena in an otherwise realistic narrative. With that context of creating a real story where the supernatural phenomenon exists, there's this quote from the documentary where he says, I believe in the fantastique. I believe in imaginary fiction as a way to directly address our fears, our anxieties, our aspirations. Hmm. It's the way my mind deals with anxiety, the way my mind deals with my hopes for heaven. I don't think there is a clearer way to the subconscious except via the imaginative. Therefore, horror fiction can speak of death, anxiety, eroticism in a way that naturalistic, realistic fiction can't, basically. I had an epiphany last week when I watched this documentary because I've been telling you for years that the first time I ever heard someone mention the reason they like horror is because it's a way of dealing with trauma and pain and grief and sorrow was when I was listening to the SpectreVision podcast with Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah. And I, it made me think about horror in a different context. Like, why am I so obsessed with this? Why do people always tell me, what's wrong with you, man? Why do you like movies like that? You know, but then I hear Barker describe it in this way. And I'm like, holy shit, hmm. that's what it is. He is showcasing that within horror fiction. He talks about wanting to confront death because it's a healing experience for him. And he talks about how he's a populist and he wants his books and movies finding the largest audience possible. And fantasy and horror fiction allows him to do that. And he can put subcontext inside the story. So anyway, that's a little bit of rambling for you about the fantastique, but I think it's really fascinating. And I think that it hits on why I'm addicted to horror. I don't know. Does that make sense? Well, it does, because that's something that we sort of hit on when we were having some deeper conversations offline about this and you expressed that sort of thing to me, I don't know, a long time ago. And I, I think I reacted a little bit confused because I was like, is that possible? Is that really what you can watch movies for is to, to sort of, I guess, deal with it as a little bit of almost like a exposure therapy or something. And, and it was an interesting idea because I wondered what that meant about me because in a lot of ways, the fear that I have watching some of these films, it's something that, you know, I react strongly to. And so I don't want to let myself have that fear. And it's definitely a driving factor for me in terms of maybe some of the, the whole experiment of this podcast, I'd say, because uh, just to give a little bit of context also to anyone who doesn't know, uh, I actually have night terrors and it's one of those funny things where uh, you lay on the bed and sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night. And you find that you're still dreaming, even though your eyes are open. And I just swear to you that so many times uh, I'll wake up and I will actually see coming down from the ceiling like a very creepy large spider or something like that. And I'll see it. I know it's there. I'm not dreaming. And I jump out of bed, you know, cause a big mess, kick off all the sheets, wake my wife up. It's terrible. And then I realize split second later that it's not there at all. And it's gone. <laughs> and I was dreaming. So stuff like that happens to me. And for a while, uh, the jumpiness basically has led me to believe that anything that I put inside my head, especially like scary movies, is only going to lead to more of that. Like the last a, a spider is, is funny and scary enough. I do not want to see Pinhead sitting in front of my door. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very empathetic. And, and uh, I think a lot of times my imagination just goes crazy like that. So that's kind of why I've almost avoided these spooky things in general throughout a lot of my life just for personal reasons like that, like I get really spooked out. And then to return a little bit to how I felt about this movie before seeing it, you know, not only did I not really trust who Barker was, I think as an artist or a director, 
again, not necessarily that that's warranted at all. That's just my newbie experience. Uh, I kind of figured maybe this movie was just about Pinhead showing up and just torturing people like straight up. I didn't know what the point was. I figured maybe there's this terrible guy who shows up when you solve this box or something and then everybody gets like put through pain. And I don't think that really sounds like a good time Uh, (laughs) for me. It's uh, just something where I don't like watching people suffer on screen. Like that's kind of hard for me to take. So if the movie was going to be like that, it's not something that I was going to really be down for. And then I think the last point I had was I think something that was a little bit unanimous was if I talked to somebody and they like scary movies, they would almost universally say, oh, well, Hellraiser is very scary or really metal or something. And I was like, this is interesting because not everybody says that about these movies. So if there's a consensus from horror people that like these movies, that this movie is particularly scary, I definitely do not want to watch this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that you talk about um, your night terrors and nightmares because Barker says a lot about that too. I mean, there were some quotes in that documentary when he was saying the concept of nightmares is to deal with in sleep, what we could have dealt with in our day-to-day lives or um, nightmare is an evidence of a confused mind. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I really like that one. Um, and then he also talks about how the things of his nightmares are universal, uh, going to young and the whole collective unconscious. And I just think that Barker, he comes at this from such a different angle, dude, than any other director. I really think that he, this movie, like talk about knocking it out of the park on your first one. I mean, he was writing books before this. He wrote The Books of Blood. And I don't know if Weave World came out before this, but he was an author before he was a filmmaker because I was trying to figure out like, how'd this guy get the budget to make this movie? And how did he burst onto the scene with, with such amazing ideas? Yeah. He's also an incredible artist. He draws a lot of this stuff himself. So I think he just, he makes this otherworldly film that is more than just the gore. It's more than just demons from hell. I think Pinhead, I like that he talks about how they're explorers of another realm. Like that's just such a romantic way of looking at such a terrible character, you know? It hits on the fears. And I think that collective fear, the idea that all of us would be afraid by something like this, like you mentioned, everyone thinks this is one of the scariest ones. It's amazing how we all are scared by it in in a lot of the same ways. Yeah, there's something about this film in particular that makes it quite freaky for almost every viewer that seems to approach it. It was definitely freaky for me. (laughs) I will agree with you about that one. (laughs) I would actually say that I think it's probably the scariest film I've ever seen to date. Uh, And I will not keep you waiting any longer, Danny. (laughs) Once we come back from this break, you'll get to hear all the down and dirty details of me getting to uh, meet Pinhead for the first time, shake his hand. (laughs) It didn't really go well. And welcome back to Full Horror Show. Let me go ahead and play this uh, spoilers clip just so that you know that everything from here on out is going to be spoilers for the movie Hellraiser if you haven't seen it. Listen to me very carefully. Look out! The spoilers are coming. If you see the spoiler and it tells you what the movie is before you watch the movie, everything will be ruined. The spoilers are there. Get down. Get down. Get your ass to Jamie. Yes. So now uh, the plot summary of the film from IMDb goes like this. A woman discovers the newly resurrected, partially formed body of her brother-in-law. 
She starts killing for him to revitalize his body so that he can escape the demonic beings that are pursuing him after he escaped their sadistic underworld. So I want to know, what was your take? What what did you think, man? I've been waiting to hear your thoughts about this movie for over a week now. I just want to start off by basically saying some choice words. Okay. Holy balls. <laughs> God cocking damn it, Danny. <laughs> this was... What they call a hard R, wasn't it? <laughs> a hard R, yeah. Around the same time as RoboCop, some of the other hard R's. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, we have to talk about my fear management about this because it was intense. I actually felt like I was gonna do something like skydiving before I watched this. That's how I felt. Like leading up to it, you mean? Like it felt like you're sitting in the plane, you're, you're, you're waiting in the plane. Yeah, like or going up a, a, a roller, coaster. roller coaster. Yeah, it was similar to that. That's what I felt. My heart was beating. Yeah, dude. My plan was for fear management for this. I was going to watch it with someone else for safety reasons. So I went to my brother-in-law's house to watch it. <laughs> for safety reasons. Of course, I couldn't do it in the daytime. So we had to do it at night. This was going to be a problem, but it was all right. Uh, I actually thought about it ahead and was like, am I going to clench my teeth? I should probably bring my night guard in case I clench my teeth. That way I won't grind my teeth or hurt some or hurt myself. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it's rational. I'm just saying that's what happened. Um, By the way, funny, funny joke about the night guard. Uh, you could give it to the one Cenobite. He could use it. The one guy. <laughs> yeah. And then, OK, so I watched the thing. This is the funniest part to me, man. Finished it. I was like, ah, oh. just felt all kind of jittery. And I said, good night. I was nervous to walk out of the house into the dark. That's how I felt. <laughs> I was actually, I went out of their house and they, had, I, they just had to go to my car, which is in the driveway. I literally, I shit you not, was like, this would be the fucking time. If you knew I watched this movie and you were hiding in that bush and you jumped out, I would lose my shit. You'd probably scream really, really loudly. Oh, yeah. So loud. It would have been done. I was, I was scared. I was like clutching my man bag. I was waiting for someone to kind of pop out at me. And then I got into my car. And I did the thing. I I seriously thought I was like, "There's someone going to be in my back seat. There's someone in my back seat, isn't there? There's someone back there. I should like check, but I don't want to check. I gotta drive home now." I kept checking my rearview mirror. Like this is what it did to me. So it fucked you up. But what did you think? What did, did you like it? I don't think I can say I liked it. But like it's interesting it. <laughs> when I compare it though to Exorcist. Okay, and I'll try to explain why there's a difference. I don't really know exactly how to describe this. Is it the more metal part of it? Yeah, it's the metal part of it. Okay, so this really terrified me and made me feel shaky and all the things that i just said okay so let me ask you this give me top scenes give me like three top scenes from the whole movie for you so the scene where the teenage daughter is chased i guess down that hallway by some demons that was really interesting i love that like it's almost it almost looks like a scorpion by the way with a head on it yeah you know because it's got this big tall looking tail and it's like floating it did make me laugh the first time because you can kind of tell like it's like a you know it's a fake <laughs> animatronic uh demon thing floating down the hallway it made me laugh you know but i love how the the walls open mm -hmm. it reminds me of freddy and and nightmare on elm street which i know you haven't seen freddy can do so much because he's in your dreams he can like make things morph and move and change and what i really like about the special effects of this movie is between the lighting and the production design they're opening walls. They're blowing smoke through it. They use a little bit of uh, VFX for the time to make the wall look longer than it really is. Probably a matte painting, I'm assuming. 
And then there's just nice shots of what the underworld looks like. And I keep wanting more of the underworld, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was some really interesting transitions that they were doing with, like you said, yeah, just just lighting and um, effects and fog and other stuff. That was really interesting. And they did it so effectively. So what other what other scenes stood out? I mean, it's pretty much impossible not to think about when those Cenobites first showed up. It just felt like I was like, man, this is the kind of movie that you were not supposed to watch when you're a kid. That's what I felt like. No, 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 no. I felt like I was like, this is that movie your parents warned you about. (laughs) I don't know. It just felt, um, I keep coming back to the term metal because it's a good one. It just, it felt so metal in that it was extremely hardcore. Well, since you brought up what the Cenobites look like when you first see them and why it's metal, I'm going to try to decipher why you're saying that, okay? The score is so strong. And I love the piano and the way the sound hits when you first see them, that boom, like it's the same greeting call when the Cenobites show up that you hear that music kick in. And I think that it's the the music and the light, the way they lit them. Um, Also, just the choices they made in terms of like their costumes. I mean, they're having they have like pieces of their body exposed, parts of their skin exposed the way that looks is just haunting. It's gross. It's grotesque. So Barker talked about how he loves Bosch paintings. And I think a lot of these scenes remind me of Bosch because it's just people getting ripped open on the floor with these demons standing over them. You know, it's, it's, it's haunting. So yeah, when you see the the Cenobites, it's definitely scary. By the way, Pinhead only has like eight minutes of screen time. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I was so surprised at how much story there was. Yeah. I was very surprised by that. I thought that it was almost going to be a very one note. Look, there's a spooky guy who comes and hurts people. It was actually very interesting that there was this conflict of, you know, this man and this woman trying to do something. And it was their struggle, I guess, not working out or working out at different points. And I didn't expect any of that. Barker has commented on how Nightmare on Elm Street and and the Friday the 13th movies don't have as much of an intellectual story behind them. Those movies do tend to be more slasher flicks. Like I think Friday the 13th probably is less of a story than Nightmare on Elm Street. I think Nightmare like really goes to some interesting places in terms of the dream world. But I think that Hellraiser has a completely different tone. It has a completely different mood. And I think it has a different type of narrative. Frank's story. Frank is like the ultimate debaucherous, hedonistic guy. He wants to take it as far as he possibly can. And Everyone who is interested in the box wants to open that box until they open the box. And then they really wish they hadn't opened the box. I mean, he basically reanimates to try to come back to our world. My favorite scene in this movie is the flesh building scene. Yeah. Basically, the 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 dad cuts his hand on a, on a nail, which is just gross. And it also reminds me of Pinhead. I think they did that intentionally. And so he walks upstairs bleeding. He's bleeding all over the floor. And I love how the blood seeps down into the wood. And then out from the wood, these insect legs pop out of the floor that then turn into like arms. And then his brain starts building and the spine and the rib cage and the way they did that on par with stuff like American Werewolf in London, some of the best at the fly, some of the best flesh building sequences or morphing sequences that have ever happened happened in this movie. I can't believe what I actually saw. That was so crazy looking. It was unbelievable. The blood looked so good. And then when... He, half of his body was built and he starts crawling towards the door and the door slams shut. That's why it's not just a jump scare. They took time to craft that scene together and they hold on those shots when it's building for a while. The opening scene, the first time you see Pinhead, 
he's walking through the room and he's picking up pieces of a face and there's a box that spins and that box has all of the torture devices on it and like pieces of flesh and stuff, right? That box spins like a carousel. <laughs> and at the end of this documentary I watched, they cross cut a shot of a carousel and then of that thing spinning around. And I never thought about that before until I watched the documentary. Barker has a quote where he says, my enthusiasm comes from things that are just presented to an audience the way a circus presents them. I don't know if it's real. You decide. And I thought about what you said about it feeling like you're going up to the top of a roller coaster and how metal it is, like going to a concert, to see a movie like this because of the, the visceral experience of it. This movie has lore to it about this underworld that we don't know that much about. And since we only see Penhead for like eight minutes and we only see the Cenobites a few times, their quotes of the Cenobites when he says, we have such sights to show you. And like, I'm going to tear your soul apart. Like there's so many great lines. I want more Penhead. The last scene that I'll mention is the very, very end. When, uh, when dad is, is strapped up and says, Jesus wept. And then he gets ripped in half and exactly what Penhead said was going to happen. We are going to tear your soul apart. <laughs> he literally gets torn apart. The first time I saw that man, it wrecked me. Like that reminded me of event horizon and some of the, like you said, hard R's I've ever seen. It was just shocking. Yeah. <laughs> they obviously do a fast cut there to, I guess, make it um not x-rated or something no i did know that yeah so they cut quick but even with the fast cut the the effects and the stuff that you see is so unbelievably just hardcore that it takes your breath away a little bit yeah it's definitely terrifying man Whew. well i think this has all been very good but we actually need to have a really fast ad break so back right after this That's right, it's me, your sexy Cenobite. Are you into chains, whips, pillars of wood that spin around making creaky noises? I'm all down. There ain't no kink shame in here. There's just love. I'm here to expand your horizon. How? It's easy. You solve my box. I'll solve your box. It's kind of like a Rubik's Cube, but sexy. Are you interested? All you gotta do is pick up the phone and call. You'll be charged $5 for every minute. Trust me, it's gonna be the best $5 you'll ever spend. Cause that's all the time I'm gonna need. Call now and take advantage of this special offer. Get four centibytes for the price of one. Just call. Are you looking for a graduation day present? Maybe a Mother's Day gift for that special lady in your life? Why not give her the gift that keeps on giving? A visit from the sexy Cenobites. One night with the Cenobites, and she'll never be the same. 100% guaranteed. We're here to make your whole world open up. Treat yourself to the ultimate experience. So call now. What are you waiting for? Yeah, so welcome back to Full Horror Show. Um, <laughs> that was just a typical ad. You know, one of those <laughs> usual things that you hear on most podcasts. 
But anyway, Danny, you were saying something about um, <laughs> about Pinhead and how much you loved him and you wanted to see more of him. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about that that ad from Pinhead himself, um, the the <laughs> sexy Pinhead. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I I love the lines. I love the quotes from him. There's another one. Tears are a waste of suffering. <laughs> like mm, he just that's a good one. This is a great movie, man. I think that Barker did something here that terrified audiences. I think he came out like those 80s hard R's that you mentioned. I mean, it stands out. And I think that in terms of the genre, it's one of the best. It's definitely top 10, Um, if not scariest. I think a lot of people would say that. Um, I love his special effects. I love the gore. Even something like the very end when the bum turns into the like dragon mm-hmm. demon that flies away with wings with wings like that, that made me want to watch the sequel and that and what my point about the the only having eight minutes of screen time and wanting more pinhead is I immediately wanted to see Hellbound and Barker didn't direct it. But man, for you and anyone listening, watch that movie because it's not Hellraiser. It's not as good as the first but it is solid. And like, it takes you farther into the underworld. It takes you much farther into the lore. Um, there's concepts of the box and the Cenobites themselves and how this world exists that I think are really interesting. And it kind of falls off after that because they made a ton of these movies. Um, but the reboot was actually really good too. And I think Hellraiser 1, Hellbound, and the reboot are all worth watching for sure. That's good to know because obviously having only seen the first one, I don't really know the quality of the others. But it it brings up something that I was thinking about that's interesting. And it's something I wanted to ask you about, which is now that I've seen it, I do feel like I have a little bit of a merit badge. Like I feel like I have a tiny little horror merit badge. And I'm not sure what else I'll see that will be as scary as this. So in some ways, I feel like I, I leveled up a little bit. Like maybe I have a tiny bit more courage than before or maybe just the other stuff won't be as scary as this i don't know uh that remains to be seen it's interesting you didn't feel this way about possession because i don't think that one wrecked you as much i think possession might have might have messed me up more than you and it was mainly because of how real like the relationship stuff was but it's interesting that you say that out of everything we've watched um I, you know, I love it. I'm glad that I gave you a merit badge. <laughs> yes, I'm, ha- I'm happy to still be be standing after it. I mean, the possession, though, to me, had so many ridiculous elements that made it, uh, I don't know, a, a bit even more um, campy and entertaining. OK, of course, there were the, the serious things we talked about that still made it have all that wild stuff in it. But it, at a certain point, it was so wild. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I see that. And then Exorcist was very serious and depressing. I mean, obviously, all these films are good in their own merits, of course. And then this one, though, like I said, almost was a combination of the two, but such a fine razor sharp line of completely dead, serious, adult, scary shit that is not pulling any punches at all. So it really got me. And the thing I wanted to ask you, though, is now that I've seen it, now that I've heard from Barker a little bit because you sent me that great documentary, which is awesome. Um, what's the full name of it so people can check it out? The Art of Horror. It's really just a, I think it's like 30 minutes of interviews with Barker. And I think it's some of the most heady conversation. You even said that, um, that he has. Yeah. And now that I've seen that, I think I get a lot more um, of where he's coming from, both as a director and an artist. But what I think is interesting is, I the question I have is sort of a devil's advocate one, but do you feel like these movies are marketed wrong? Because if I had, I feel like if I had known 
that Hellraiser was coming from a guy who is so um, well-spoken and has so many great ideas about, like you said early on in sort of the first half, what he wants to bring to the population, how he wants to use this, um, these concepts of the cinema fantastique and bring in all these different um, really, really valuable things into the story. The marketing of it makes it seem like it's just, it's nothing but a straight terror fest. And that's why I avoided it. I think a lot of people on the surface would watch this movie and think like, what the fuck? Like I know my, my wife and some of my other friends who don't like movies, but you love movies. I knew you were going to like this. I know you didn't, you don't, you don't necessarily like it in terms of you want to go watch it again, but it sounds like you did actually like the movie and appreciate it as a film and especially as a horror film, right? Does that sound accurate? I mean, it is. I still have to get over the shock of a lot of the, the content itself just hitting me in such a hard way. But I do think that there is a lot of interesting stuff there, but it took a little bit of reflection and it took me listening to what Barker was saying. But I guess that's also where I have a little bit of a... In terms of the marketing. Yeah, I have a conflict because I'm like, but I, I don't know how else you would do it. You, you would want to portray it as being something ultra scary because it is. But it's interesting because I feel like hearing him speak, he seems so sensitive. He seems so, um, you know, adept with the concepts and the things that he wants to put into it and all this other stuff. Uh, maybe it's because he's a writer, you know, and he's able to articulate that very well. But either way, it's just interesting to me because, I mean, you said yourself, how many films has he made? It's not a lot. I don't know the exact number. Yeah. Um, it's just fascinating because it's like, so he he seems like a real quality guy that I, I, I like his I like where his head's at. And with what he seems to be putting into the stories and in particular, since you asked, the thing that stood out to me the most was when he was talking about classic horror monsters or whatever. And he brought up the idea of Frank being half formed, still in the attic in that in that spare bedroom and her coming up and helping him. He compared it, I think, to old monsters like the mummy or Dracula or King Kong or other things like that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Where they they're this tragic creature that needs help. To be honest, I did not get that from the movie at all. I did not feel sorry for him. I was like, well, you you walked into this and you deserve this because you were a hedonist or whatever. And, you know, you kind of open the box. So you kind of get what you deserve. And I, I didn't like those characters at all, which is obviously the point, too. But I do see, I guess, why he added those extra angles. Well, and in terms of the realism, I mean, you do have a father and daughter and they clearly lost her mother, his wife, and she now has this new uh, stepmom or girlfriend. Are they married? I don't even know if they're married. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, maybe the listeners will remember that part, but, um, so they're having a relationship. That's a, a very difficult situation that I can relate to having lost my mother. Um, and I think that the loss of a parent being part of the realism there, uh, a new blended family being part of the realism there. And that stepmother sleeping with the deceased husband, um, both when he was alive and when he was deceased, uh, <laughs> uh, cheating on him. And then uh, everyone basically dying in the end. Um, it's a tragic story, you know? And Barker is a big fan of, of, of Greek mythology and of, I'm sure, of, of, of tragedy too. Hmm. And so I think that that's the realism. That's the part that we are, are brought in to kind of buy into. And then the box and Penhead are there to correct that, to basically give them what's coming to them, <laughs> in a sense. You know, It's almost like they had a code, though, which is really fascinating to me as well. All right, I will say this was very interesting because, like I said, I 100% honestly can't really say, again, that I was like, oh, this was great and I enjoyed it or whatever. But there's a moment 
when the daughter takes the box and runs and, you know, he's doing an awesome job. Barker is that I should say of, you know, kind of planting those flags for you as a viewer, letting you know maybe where it could go. Yes, very, very much so. I was desperately looking for that because I was like, otherwise, I'm just going to be, you know, terrified out of my mind this entire time. And yeah, at a certain point, I loved how smart she was as a character to be able to have the box and then tell Pinhead, oh, that guy that you're looking for, he's 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 over there. I can take you to him. That was so neat. And then I kind of had this little flare up of hope and I was like, oh, she made a deal. She struck she a, deal a deal with Pinhead. And I was like, how interesting that they're going to actually maybe they'll do it. And I can't believe that in this movie, I found myself rooting for Pinhead to come back and take care of the bad guy. I know, man. You wanted him to take out Frank. I didn't think that was going to happen either. And then and then when he comes back, he double crosses her and, and he's, he's, he rises up behind her and says, we have such sights to show you. I, that's my favorite quote, man. I love that quote. So he obviously is not very... <laughs> Not very good for the handshake. It's not good for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I figured, but still, I mean, so that was interesting. Like all I'm trying to say is I, I see there's these moments where if you get a little bit of a rush of excitement about it, because you're like, oh, I can see what's going to happen or something, even amidst all the, the I'm scared of what I'm going to see and I'm jumpy and everything that did happen for me. So that was good. I was, I was wrapped up in where the story was going to go and how she was going to figure it out and <laughs> All that stuff. Well, dude, there's there's it's a really good hero's journey from her standpoint. It's a really good, um, you know, rooting for the bad guy with Pinhead. Even Frank, in some cases, some people might might root for Frank. I don't know. Barker also talks about how much he loves Moby Dick. And I don't know that there's necessarily a direct comparison there, but it is a giant creature that he's trying to defeat. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah. he talks about loving abundance, loving excess and how art changes the world. And he loves going on dream journeys uh, to b- then be delivered back to a dull solidarity that is or that is life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just th- I think he's hitting on those fears, those anxieties that he that he was talking about in the fantastique. And, and I think that when you ask the question, how was it marketed? That's a really interesting question, because. In the 80s, it was marketed as Hellraiser, the scariest movie you've ever seen. And they just show you like really scary images of Pinhead and then the family talking and try to set it up a little bit. And that's it. Yeah. Today, the new Hellraiser is marketed totally different. Oh, is it? Well, just not in that same 80s kind of metal way. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit more mysterious. I think that the new one, I don't, I don't think the new one's as scary as the original, dude. I think this is the scariest Hellraiser by far. By far. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting thought. I'm I'm finding myself thinking about those things more, I guess, is what's interesting because I hadn't considered that before. I guess for the first time I'm in my life, I'm sort of looking at it as if, well, maybe, you know, there there is more going on to these movies other than the marketing, which I think does tend for better or worse to err on the side of, oh, it's going to just make you be, you know, <laughs> shit the bed for days or whatever they want you to say. I know that's how you get butts and seats. So that must be the method. But I do think it's interesting because it, it almost seems like Barker himself is trying to make really great art. And I think he's accomplished that here, regardless about whether, you know, I enjoyed it or not. And it's it's an amazing accomplishment, obviously. And I almost wish that he just made more stuff, I guess. Well, dude, you haven't you haven't seen Nightbreed or Lord of Illusions. No, uh, he's done some good stuff, man. OK, definitely. Well, I mean, we obviously need to at some point, I guess, return. Oh, we'll, we'll <laughs> talk about Nightbreed for sure. Uh, we have a listener who loves that movie, a, a fan of the show. 
what did you think about them having sex? And Frank walks up and, and slices the rat in half. I don't remember that happening. Wait, you don't remember that? So Julia is having sex with her husband. Okay. Before he dies. And Frank walks out of the closet and walks up to the edge of the bed. Ugh. And he's holding a rat. Oh, oh, that scene. Oh, and he slices the rat in half. That was weird. Yeah, uh, I don't know what to, I don't know what to make about that. That was very tense. Well, pain, pain, and pleasure are indistinguishable. Is another quote. Mm. I want to read one of his books now. I'm I'm interested in Weave World. I think that could be cool. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously got a lot of thoughts, and he seems to have a ton of creative ideas and great visual, you know, images that come up. So, it's it's really something. Like I I'm definitely glad that I saw this. So. Thank you for <laughs> pushing me to watch it. Um, I don't I definitely would not have watched this on my own. There's there's no way. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and like I said, I, I feel like I got a merit badge now. I feel a tad bit braver. And that's that's not a bad thing. You know, that's kind of nice. It's it feels like a, a little a little chip on the block. I don't know what you want to say, but it, it's kind of cool. What other movie would you say uh, you are most afraid of if this one was has always been kind of there? Is there anything scarier that just co- like comes to the top of your head just so that I can uh, level up again <laughs> but we have to have a break first we agree about this <laughs> we did agree about this yeah we're, we're gonna kick it down to something we both seen next week i've always been kind of irrationally afraid of freddie but not not to the same degree as this though i kind of knew freddie was a little goofy or something but you know i i think early on i was like oh that that guy with the you know striped sweater he's bad news and don't want any of that but i also know he can be goofy so that's probably not the worst i think the other thing uh that i would okay i know what it is it would be it would be stuff like torture porn i think because i think that's i think that's what i thought this was yeah i think i thought hellraiser was the original like hostel or film where it's the hills have eyes the remake or something just a gore fest but it's but it's not yeah yeah i would just read the synopsis on wikipedia because i have a morbid interest at times and being like how what is it really happens and then i get so freaked out by the description that i just like well i'm noping out of that that is not gonna be something i watch so that's kind of i think maybe what i thought this was but yeah it's, it's not completely like i'm totally wrong on that like you said, there's so many great story elements in the the artistry of the, especially the the VFX and everything with how it was done. Very different. I just find that interesting that I got it that wrong. But again, I think a lot of it is marketing and other stuff. But yeah, I think that's probably the the thing that I would be most afraid of now would be something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Where I just cringe the whole way through because again, I get very empathetic to what I see on the screen and I just can't, can't. Ugh. The Descent. Have you ever seen The Descent? No, you mean the 2007 movie? Yeah. No, see, that's one that I was scared of. That one's very, very, very scary. Yeah. That one is, um, I would say, one might be scarier than Hellraiser. I can believe you. But that's the thing is, I think that's the case for most modern movies now. Like, it's funny because Hellraiser, I thought it was really, really scary. But I'm realizing now that almost all 80s movies, not to generalize, they're not nearly as scary as the ones they do now because the ones they do now, they just are capable of so many more special effects and so many more jump scares. And they just seem so willing to do that. I would be really interested for you to see the new evil dead rise and tell me if you still would make that statement, because I don't know, man, I think, I think modern horror is doing, they, everyone's talking about elevated horror, elevated horror, I think is a, is a bunch of shit. I think elevated horror is just a way of describing art house horror. That's why they're calling it elevated horror. But I don't even know if it's necessarily art house. I just think what's happening with modern horror is they're exploring completely different ways of doing it. So movies like Nope and movies like Hereditary, they're touching on 
certain genre specific parts that have always been around, but they're doing it in a really artistic way. And they're doing it in ways people haven't seen before. When I first saw the ring in the movie theater, that is an example of modern horror that scares the shit out of me because the, the effects they're using, the way that that fucking thing moved out of the TV and like the fast zombie looking creature. But see, now that's not scary anymore because we've seen it a bunch of times. It's still scary to me. First time you see 28 days later, they're, <laughs> they're all running. And like previously in zombie movies, they were all walking slowly like Romero. We can talk about the ring at some point. I have a funny story because I was talking to Lori about that. I was like asking her about some of this stuff and f- finding out from her like, well, how did you get, you know, how'd you get here? Because <laughs> we neither one of us watched scary things. And then at a certain point, she was like, oh, in college, everybody was taking me to these scary movies. And I didn't like it. She was like, I, I waited outside in the lobby a couple of times. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, uh, it was funny. And then I had a, a memory that had just re- gone away for a little bit. I remember we all were hanging out in, at school and uh, the consensus was to pull up the old DVD and watch The Ring. And I chickened out and I left. <laughs> they were like college girls. We were all supposed to hang out. <laughs> I left my dude because I was too scared. That one early shot where the girl like gets like killed and is in the closet and it's like a jump scare because you see your face i was done after that i was like <laughs> i can't do this this is too much and i just like so it sounds like maybe the jump scares and some of the effects might scare you more than like the hardcore stuff i mean maybe i don't know i'm still trying to figure that out but yeah like i think that if you have a bad jump scare and it really kind of just like Gah! shakes you so much then i yeah maybe it puts you off i don't know so would you watch hellbound no really I w- well, we can, but we just got to give ourselves like some months. Well, now we're going to have to now we're going to have to talk about it. <laughs> I think the order of operations here is is Mandy is next because we agreed on that. And I don't want to fuck you up too bad. Yeah, that one's going to fuck you up anyway. It always fucks me up. Um, It's fun, though. But then after that, I think we're going to do the descent. No. And then after the descent, I think we're going to do high tension. And then we're going to see where you're at after that. No. Hold on, Danny. <laughs> Hold on. Hold the phone. What about? Just trust me. We can trust do another this. 80s one. I'm, I've got you. I'm going to curate the, the the best fucking journey for you. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love every minute of it. I can't watch. I can't watch the descent yet. I'm not ready. Yeah, you are. You'll be fine. No, Danny. We're doing Mandy, so don't worry. We'll do Mandy first. God damn it, man. You can't just go and ask me what the scariest movie is and then to say you're going to watch it. I'm not going to get through well, it. That's what we did with Hellraiser, and it was perfect. It's perfect. This is di- That's different, though. I don't think so. It's different. It'll be good. Still have to sign off though. You can't make me do it. Are you claustrophobic? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, my chest is getting tight. (laughs) Well, I also like that you brought up the monsters. So we're going to have to do some monsters at some point, you know, maybe an old Dracula or, uh, I don't know, something, something older would be fun. That's true. That would be great. Like an old black and white or something. Yeah, exactly. Christopher Lee. Yeah. Vincent Price. Peter Cushing. Yeah. Maybe even Peter Lorre. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that is, that is Hellraiser. (sighs) I did it. I got past it and it's been something. I'm very glad to watch it. Like I said, so uh, that's a wrap. Uh, Our show is actually produced and edited by me, Grant Letizia. You can find us on Instagram at Full Horror Show. You can also visit us at fullhorrorshow.com where you can listen to all back episodes. If you have any feedback or have a recommendation for a movie that you think goes Full Horror Show, we would like to hear from you. You can email us at fullhorrorshow at gmail.com. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or just wherever you listen. So then until next time, stay spooky, my friends. Okay, well, thanks, dude. We'll talk later, man. All right, bye, man. Bye.